All right. Well, we are going to dive in. We are going to be continuing our series this morning in the Gospel and the Ten Commandments, but I want to start just with a little bit of a story. So once there was a little old man, his eyes blinked and his hands trembled. When he ate, he clattered the silverware distressingly. He missed his mouth with the spoon, as often as not, and dribbled a bit of food on the tablecloth. Now he lived with his married son, having nowhere else to live, and his son's wife <clears throat> didn't appreciate or like the arrangement. I can't have this, she said. It interferes with my right to happiness. So she and her husband took the old man gently but firmly by the arm and led him to the corner of the kitchen. There they set him on a stool and gave him his food in an earthenware bowl. From then on, he always ate in the corner, blinking at the table with wistful eyes. One day his hands trembled rather more than usual, and the earthenware bowl fell to the ground and broke. If you're a pig, said the daughter-in-law, you must eat out of a trough. So they made him a little wooden trough, and he got his meals in that. These people had a four-year-old son whom they were very fond of. One evening the young man noticed his boy playing intently with some bits of wood and asked what he was doing. He said, I'm making a trough, smiling up for approval, to feed you and mama out of when I get big. <laughs> the man and his wife looked at each other for a while and said, and didn't say anything. They cried a little bit, and then they went to the corner and took the old man by the arm, led him back to the table. They sat him in a comfortable chair and gave him his food on the plate. And from then on, nobody ever scolded when he clattered or spilled or broke things. Now that story can certainly bring up some emotions to mind, ranging from sadness to even some laughter, but it relates today as we talk about the word honor. As we continue our study in the Ten Commandments, we come to the fifth one today, honor your father and mother. Thus far, with the first four commandments, we've seen how they've related to our relationship with God. Another way to say that, that's our vertical relationship, that's our relationship up. The first four are God-centered. And we've seen that. Only God is God. We're not to have any other gods. We shouldn't make any carved images or worship God incorrectly. We shouldn't take the Lord's name in vain. Last week, Travis finished up the first section of the commandments with remember the Sabbath, which he pointed out beautifully that the Sabbath rest refers to the right, right to the ultimate deliverer of Jesus Christ, because he is the one that can enter us into that perfect, beautiful, final rest. The one who's accomplished all the work of salvation and we can rest in that. Those first four commandments deal with our relationship to God. Now, we make short, sort of a shift today, and starting with the fifth commandment, it deals with our relationship horizontally to people. So briefly, the next commandments are honor mom and dad, don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, don't covet. All of those are basis for good, healthy relationships. It's almost as if God knows what's best for us, and he's telling us, yeah, you should do these things. So today we move into the first of the horizontal commandments found in verse 12 in chapter 20 of Exodus. So once again, I'm going to have you stand if you're able, and we are going to read Exodus 20, 1 through 17. It'll be on the screen. I always encourage you to have your real Bible in front of you. I'll be reading from the ESV, but I'm sure we're all close enough to figure out where we're at. All right, Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 1, we're going to go all the way through 17. 
And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is, on earth, or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water or under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children of the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments." You shall not take the Lord or the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is Sabbath to the Lord your God, and on it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates." For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, and then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. <clears throat> Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, and you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Lord, I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful that we can look to it, and I pray, Lord, by the Holy Spirit this morning that you would teach us, that you would use me, that you would speak through me as we dive in and look how honoring mom and dad really is important, and it's what you've commanded. So open up your word to us and open us up to your word that we may receive it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can have a seat. So as I mentioned today, we'll be looking at the fifth commandment, which says, honor your father and mother. Now, if you like to take notes uh, and you like sermon titles and you like things to go off of, I'm going to say the title of this sermon is A Clear Commandment in Murky Water. And I'm going to unfold that as we go, but there's no question that God gives commands. He doesn't stutter. These are not 10 suggestions. These are 10 commandments. And although it's true that much of the Old Testament law no longer applies because we live in New Testament times, this doesn't negate and make everything in the Old Testament we we read worthless. It's true. We don't like to be commanded to do anything. We're Americans. We don't like to be told to do anything. In fact, what turns many people off to Christianity is that they think the Bible is just full of a bunch of do's and don'ts. But I want to point out something I think has already been said. Remember, the Ten Commandments were given after God delivered his people from 400 and some years of slavery in Egypt. He pulled them out of slavery. He took them out of bondage. And then, after delivering them, he gives these commandments. And he says, you know what? Things are going to go much better for you if you obey what I say. So we must keep that in mind. We must keep in mind that our salvation is not a reward for our obedience. Rather, it's the reason for our obedience. When the only one who can save me saves me and then says, do this, it would be wise for me to do that. So just by way of reminder, it's been said there are over There are, not over, there are 613 laws, and I didn't verify that either, but the Ten Commandments narrow that down, and then Jesus even further narrows those down. In Matthew 22, he says this, and he said to him, 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. That's the vertical relationship with God. Those are the first four. And then he summarizes the next six. He says, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So Jesus narrows down those first four commandments into loving God. In Exodus, the foundation to those first four commandments are you shall have no other gods before me. But now there's a shift. Commandments 5 through 10, Jesus narrowed down to loving your neighbor. These are the horizontal commandments. So the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother. Our commandment this morning is the foundation for the rest of them, I think, to come. So in terms of human relationship, the parental relationship is the first and most important one. It's where we first learn how the world works. Clearly, the fifth commandment is tied to a familial relationship, and the family is the fabric that holds society together. That's just how God made it. The family is the central part of God's plan. The family is the foundation of society. You've probably heard it said, so goes the family, so goes the world. The family structure is where we learn to live with other people. It's where we learn what authority is. It's where we should learn what honor and respect and obedience is. And it's where we should learn what love and protection is. Some of you are sitting here today saying, that doesn't describe my family at all. Well, that's the murky water that I mentioned, and we'll get to that. I don't intend to ignore the hard stuff. We'll get there. When God called the nation of Israel to be his people, he destined them to be the ones whom all families of the earth would be blessed. Genesis 12.3 says that. He told them they'd be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, Exodus 19.6. In other words, they were to be the knowers of the truth, the knowers of God, but they were not to keep it to themselves. The truth about God was to be known, and the foundational step for the truth to be God to be known was through the family, for God's people to teach it to their children. Deuteronomy 6, it'll be up on the screen, it's a little longer passage, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and you shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house, on your gates." So it's not a command to have a prayer before dinner and read a chapter a day to keep the devil away. This is a way of life. This is God encompasses everything. The word of God was to flood everything at all times. And the framework that this happens in is within the family. And the family is the framework of society because it's God's plan for his word to be passed from one generation to the next. So humanly speaking, his primary and best way for God to be known is through the family. Listen, a godly father and mother is better for the child than anything the world has to offer. Yes, that's an amen. A godly father and mother is better than anything the world has to offer. It should come as no surprise that throughout history, when totalitarian governments, governments that want to take control of everything, the first thing they try to do is sever the family. The more control society and government has of our kids, the more the family suffers. Today in our society, 
cultural Marxism, often under the disguise of social justice, work to undermine the family. The destructive ideas of our time about gender, racism, homosexuality, abortion, redefining marriage, just to name a few, they pull us away from God's plan for the family. Serious attempts have been made to deliver children from under the authority of their parents. They say that children should have the right to sue their parents for being forced to attend church. They should be paid a minimum wage for doing household chores. No. <laughs> Even worse, as young as five, they should be able to decide what gender they would like to be without their parents' knowledge. We do not live in a pro-family society. Biggest no-duh statement. So yet the truth is not hard to see. The truth isn't hard to see the conclusion that children raised by their married biological parents do better by almost every measure has been proven in hundreds of studies over the last several decades. But what we've seen in America is that dramatically decrease. In 1960, 73% of children lived with two parents in their first marriage. By 2014, that was down to 46%. I'm sure it's worse today. The family is under attack. Why? Because if Satan can shred the family, then he can gain ground against God. Hitler said this, he alone who owns the youth gains the future. Everyone knows the importance of family, even those trying to destroy it. So the family is built into the structure of the fifth commandment. In the beginning, God created Adam and Eve and he told them to have children. And then those children are now told to honor their parents. It's God's plan. It's a clear command. And it's not an old, outdated command meant to be left in the Old Testament. In fact, Paul writes the very same words to the church in Ephesus. In Ephesians 6, he says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. But what does honor mean? This is where the murkiness starts. We are always to honor our parents, but what does honor look like? That can look very different depending on the seasons of life and family circumstances. In general, at the most basic level, to honor includes obedience and reverence. Children are to obey their parents. And this is not just little children. This would apply to all offspring. <laughs> now, certainly the seasons of life insist a different kind of honor, a different kind of obedience. When I tell my kids now, they're 14 and under, to go take a shower and get ready for bed, they honor me by doing that. If you have older teenagers at home, they, they not only honor you by following your rules, but they can ask about, hey, what college do you think, or what job, or what, what do you think would be best for me? What do you think I should pursue? They honor you by asking, you know, maybe what, they, what you think about a potential interest in a particular guy or girl. But when they're 25 years old and moved out, married with kids, certainly the way they honor is going to look different. It's not always obedience. As the biblical fan, uh, plan for family is to leave mother and father and be joined to a spouse to start their own family. That's the point where the first priority is no longer the parents, but the spouse. So get this, obedience has to do with action, and certainly those actions will appropriately change and shift over time, but honor is the command, and that has to do with the attitude of your heart. 
So do we have an attitude of reverence or respect towards our parents? We should. And I say this as a father who knows very well of my shortcomings. Sometimes I can't believe I said what I just said or did what I just did. I don't always deserve as a father to be honored. But the honor that is due to parents is not because they deserve it. It's because it's their position of authority that God has given to them. There's a weightiness to honor. In fact, the Hebrew word used in the Old Testament means glory or weight. To be a parent is a heavy burden. I don't mean that negatively, but you parents in here know what I mean. It's a heavy burden. To be a parent is hard. The office of mother and father is to be held in great significance. They are to always be honored. I also say this as a son who is not perfectly honored. And in my childhood, I certainly did not obey. I can also say I grew up in a house where disobedience wasn't ignored. Um, There was corrective discipline. I remember one particular time where we got a new generator. And it came in a box back in the day when it still did. This is probably like 35 years ago. And, And it came in a box. And my dad, for some reason, wanted to keep the box and the styrofoam that perfectly packed around this thing. And he said, don't destroy the box or the styrofoam. Apparently I had a history with that because he told me not to. And I still don't know why to this day that I found it still necessary to go to destroy that box and shred that styrofoam to as many pieces as I possibly could. And when he came home and discovered it, I'll just say that I got taken to my room where corrective discipline was administered to my backside. Even though my dad is not a Christian, he did not spare the rod. There was an authority structure in the family that I had to learn. This is something we must do as parents, train and teach our kids and provide corrective discipline when necessary. Every child is born a sinner and needs to be taught, especially when it comes to matters of authority, disrespect, and disobedience. If we fail to do this when our children are young, the job will not get easier and their life will be harder as they will always struggle with authority. Ask any teacher, any youth pastor, police officer, coach, or employer about the attitudes of teenagers or some of the other adults that they are involved with, and it goes without saying that the ones who are hardworking, considerate, respectful, and have those positive qualities, they more likely than not learn that in the home from their parents. I grew up, I even grew up in a house where uh, not only guns were present, but they weren't even locked up. They were on a rack on the wall with the ammo kept underneath so they wouldn't be separated. It was, I was also taught how to use them at a young age. And so it was drilled into my head that they can be very dangerous thing if not handled with the utmost respect and care. But if I was left to my own curiosity, I shudder to think what may have happened. I don't know. Nothing bad happened because I was taught that these are things to be respected and used appropriately. I may not have had the proper respect for them if I hadn't been taught and I may have done something stupid. So we parents, I just say that, we parents need to teach our kids in all areas of life, practically and spiritually. It would be good for us to see the very next verse in Ephesians 6. We are not to provoke our children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is our job as parents. Since everyone is born in sin with a sin nature, honoring and respecting isn't going to be something that just comes natural. It has to be taught. So in the old days, when they built a house, 
A lot of times the water or the well that was, that was there to provide water for the house, they built the house right over it and it came up usually through the kitchen. You see the picture on your left. And, and when, when the, they needed water, they went up there and they pumped the well and they get water. But you'll see there's a picture in the background there, a little tan or beige picture, or the other picture with a bottle of water, you know, priming the pump. They always left that there, the person who is getting water, and they, the first thing they do is fill that back up and leave it there because that water has to be dumped in there for you to get water out of that pump. It needs to be primed. If the next person comes and wants water and there's no pitcher there of water, they're, no, they're not going to get it. It becomes much more difficult. It won't happen. And so as we think about parenting, we think about someone's got to prime our children. And if it doesn't happen when it's supposed to, then it becomes much more difficult. So children are commanded to honor their parents and obey them because parents have the unique position of teaching them what that means. Parents are given the responsibility to prime or ready their children for the next generation. And when your kids have kids, they will pass on the same things. Grandparents, you have the really awesome role of watching the fruits of your labor and continuing to model and teach your grandchildren. Ultimately, I would say this, parents, grandparents, you are stewards of the gospel. And that is the most important thing you can prime your kids with. So honor your father and your mother. And it doesn't stop there. The results, it would seem, of honoring your father and mother is that your days will be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. So as the word says, this is a commandment with a promise attached. You know, I'm wondering if that's where the phrase, I brought you into this world and I can take you out of it, came from. I don't know, it's like you don't honor mama, you don't live long in the land. I don't... (laughs) Makes sense. Joking aside, though, I I think that this whole idea of living long in the land is not about saying that anybody who obeys their parents will have a long life in many years. This is meant to be a general encouragement and truth. In the days of Israel, when there was humility and respect and obedience to parents, God protected the people from their enemies and prospered them. But when they disobeyed his laws and became arrogant and disrespectful, God gave them over to their enemies. So it's not so much about a quantity of life as it's a quality of life. And remember, in this time, the land that is spoken of here is the promised land. These commandments, not just the fifth one, if God obeyed, or if obeyed, God would bless. It's a general principle we see through the Old Testament. As God peoples obey, God blesses them. If they don't, he disciplines. In fact, it's interesting to note that if you disobedience to parents was one of the reasons for the Babylonian exile. You can see that in Ezekiel 22.7. And it even gets worse. Deuteronomy 21 calls for the death penalty for disobedient, stubborn, and rebellious sons. It was not to be taken lightly. And God would bless or discipline depending on those actions. But I remind you once again that it's not just the nation of Israel and the promised land that has to obey these commandments. We specifically have already seen how the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6 applies this commandment to all believers. So honoring parents can include obedience and reverence, which could include respect and gratitude. As I've already said, that command to honor mom and dad is not unclear. You know, Jesus had many confrontations with the Pharisees, many confrontations with them, 
And, and, one, and, one, and one time he brought the fifth commandment into it. And I'm not going to go through this all because, or put it on the screen, but Matthew 15 and Mark 7 is where you can find it. If you want to be a Berean and check, I encourage you to do that. Matthew 15, Mark 7. So the Pharisees come up to Jesus saying, hey, why do your disciples break the tradition of our elders? They're not washing their hands and stuff. And, and Jesus, I love how he sometimes just has kind of this like, oh yeah, attitude with them. And he goes, well, so, okay, so you wonder why we break your traditions. I want to know why your traditions break the commandments of God. And then he says, you know, you allow your people to designate or give everything to God in form of giving it to the temple treasury. It was known as Corbin. It was a, it was a way they could just dedicate all they had and say, this is all for God, whether they physically gave it at that moment or said like, kind of like in a will, when I'm gone, it's all, it's all God's. And so they allowed that to happen. And then, and then there's a, some obscure verse, it's Numbers uh, 30, verse 2, that says, hey, if anything that is vowed to God, you, it cannot be taken back. So they'd take that and say, well, once we vowed it, we can't really take it back. So if an aging parent would come up to their child and say, you know what, I, I need help. I need help. And they'd say, sorry, all that we have is given to the Lord. We can't help you. Now, of course, in their mindset, the Pharisees' mindset, they made other ways that they could annul and void that vow. But when it came to the parents, it was like, nope, sorry, all I, I've given everything to God. I cannot help. So the intent here was really just to serve their own selfish interests, not God or people. They result, or the result to this kind of thinking results in the first time Jesus calling the Pharisees hypocrites. He called them hypocrites. He says they're dishonoring their parents. He applied the words of Isaiah to them, saying that their hearts were far from him. Their hearts were far from him, teaching the doctrines and commandments of men. They were dishonoring their parents by not doing what was appropriate. In, that, in the general context there, it was expected that kids would take care of their aging parents. And that is still applicable today. So... I say this as a caution. The decisions we make regarding honoring our parents should be made with thoughtful consideration and obedience to what the word of God says versus what we would most like to do. Otherwise, our kids may build troughs for us, right? Additionally, there is a broader application here than just the household. When we apply the fifth commandment in our lives, it's more than just parenting. In a broad understanding, it sets up a relationship template for any other relationship of authority we'll have in our lives. This is an authority structure. We are all to submit to Christ. In 1 Peter 5, 5, 6, younger, younger men ought to be subject to their elders. Hebrews 13, 7 says to obey your leaders in the church and submit to them. Titus 11 says to be submissive to rulers and authorities, obedient for every good work. Scripture is replete with an authoritative order. There are those in authority, and we must learn to submit to an authority. I will say it again. The foundation for teaching future generations this concept starts in the home with the family, and the fifth commandment is the foundation to this. In the family with a mom and a dad who love the Lord and seek to raise their kids, teaching them the principles of God to love and submit to Christ, this is an ideal situation. I will say that is God's plan. And I could just get up here and say, the Bible says honor your mom and dad and respect them and obey them, so that's that, do it. 
That would be addressing the clear command and avoiding the murky water. That statement avoids a lot of hurt, confusion, and pain. I realize not everybody has had the wonderful family scenario. Not everybody has had parents who've raised them with God-honoring principles. Many of us have unbelieving parents, divorced parents, maybe even parents that abuse and neglected, parents that have been alcoholics or drug addicts. The list could go on. And I think I'd be doing a disservice to get up here and just say, no matter what, you must honor and obey your parents. Most of the time, honor is translated obey in our minds, but that's not always the case. For example, is the most helpful thing I could say to the teenage girl that sits across from me in my office and says, my mom committed adultery and abandoned me when I was three. My dad's an abusive alcoholic who steals my money to buy booze. I've raised my other siblings, cooking for them, cleaning for them. Am I just to say to her, well, Bible says honor your mom and dad, so go do it. Have a nice day. See what I mean? It's murky. A clear command, but sin has muddied the water. And I want to point out something to you that's valuable to understand. We talk about God's plan for the family and what he expects. He, does, he doesn't just place it on one individual. The fifth commandment is not the only thing God has to say about the family. We have seen that already in Ephesians, but let me expand on that. Each one of us has a family role, and Paul very succinctly and beautifully points this out in Colossians 3. It says, wives... Submit to your husbands as fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Again, the Bible is replete with relationships of authority. The husband is the head of the house. In Ephesians, we see that Paul says the husband is to submit to Christ. Here in Colossians, he says, a wife is to submit to her husband, a husband is to love his wife and not be harsh with her. Those are the roles and commands for husband and wife in marriage. This is the environment that children will be primed the best. After establishing the kind of example married folks should be setting, he goes on to say, children, you are to obey your parents because this pleases the Lord. Now it says obey, which links this to part of the fifth commandment. And now once again, we see fathers are not to provoke their children and discourage them. Now the reference here to father makes sense. The father is the head of the household. But it's also worth mentioning that that same word used for father here is used elsewhere in Hebrews 11.23 just to mean parents. So Paul is not excluding moms here, and perhaps this would be better translated as parents, not just fathers. So mom and dad, this is your job. The word provoke here carries the idea to stir up or to exasperate or to make resentful, to embitter or aggravate. These are things parents must not do if they wish to raise their children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is an authority structure that begins with Christ, and then the instructions are given to each member. This is God's word for the family. But unfortunately, this isn't how it always goes. So as we wade around in this murky water, I want to be sensitive to those who have experienced less than ideal circumstances. Because the real questions that come are, how am I to honor my parents when they've abandoned or abused me? How am I to honor my parents when they refuse to have relationship with me? How am I to honor my parents when they ask me to do things that are against God's word? 
Maybe to sum it up, we could just say this, how am I to honor my parents when they're not honorable? Church, this is the murky water, and I just want to mention a few things. First and foremost, our allegiance and obedience is always primarily to Christ, always. In fact, we read that in the verse before, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. As believers, our conduct should be a representation of who Christ is, always. We are to do things in the name of Christ. Furthermore, in the context of what, when Paul is talking about eating meat sacrificed to idols or not, it's a whole different context, but he sums it up by saying this. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, that means like whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So as believers, we're to represent Christ and do all we do for the glory of God. This means we recognize Christ as being first place in our lives. Colossians talks about him being the preeminent one. He is first place. This means that we obey God rather than men when the two come into conflict. And Peter says those exact words in Acts 5. So I guess to say it another way, we first love God. We first obey God. Our allegiance is first to God. All other human relationships are always going to be secondary to our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Anytime the two come in conflict, we must seek to honor and serve and glorify God. Because hear this, the gospel and salvation can bring a breach in the family so that the children may have to reject their parents' commands if they're contrary to scripture. Even so, I say that even so, the clear command to honor still stands. So how do we honor parents that are not deserving of honor? Well, it wasn't a conditional command. God said, do it. But honor looks different sometimes. It can include obedience, but it does not always mean obedience. Maybe the honor I extend is simply not purposefully dishonoring them, not talking down about them or bad about them, not gossiping about them. Honoring would mean that my, my goal is not to bring them further dishonor. Honor them by not seeking to get even with them. Honoring them does not mean you open yourself up purposely for further abuse. Honoring them does not mean you set up dangerous boundaries, which could include opening your own kids up to abuse. Sometimes honoring them might just be breaking the cycles of an abusive family and living to honor Christ. God does not want you to walk in the counsel of the wicked, Psalm 1, so honor God by breaking the cycle of wickedness. Honoring them means extending grace when possible and you never stop praying for them. I'll say it again. Honor has to do with the attitude of your heart. It's noteworthy that there are a couple of New Testament principles about honor that link honor with performance. For example, in 1 Timothy 5.17, it says, Let the elders who rule well be, con be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. So Paul certainly ties this double honor principle to elders that rule well. Elders who function poorly in their roles would not be considered worthy of double honor. Paul says you rule well, you do your job well, then you're worthy of double honor. So honor here, at least, is tied at some level to performance, to actions. We also see the same idea in Philippians chapter 2 when Paul sends Epaphroditus to them. Paul says... So receive him, Epaphroditus, in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, 
for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So Paul urged the church to honor men like him. He's saying if you had doubts about him, don't worry because men like him deserve honor. He risked his life for Paul. He risked his life for the work of Christ. He demonstrated his love for them. He endured sickness near to death for their sake. Epaphroditus was to be honored because his actions were honorable. Again, my only point here is to say that sometimes the New Testament, honor is tied to performance. Honor is tied to what one does. Now this, doesn't, now this point doesn't nullify the command, honor our parents. That's an unconditional commandment. Yet what honor looks like inevitably changes based on one's actions. However, I want to be crystal clear, especially to the young people in here. They're still maybe living at home. You can look up from your screens for a second. I know it's your Bible, right? Young people, kids, do your parents irritate you sometimes? I'm watching you. You don't always get what you want. Man, you don't always like the rules about screen time, curfews, and dating. Your friends have cooler parents. You're upset that you didn't get what you wanted for Christmas or your birthday. You're not in the murky water. And kids, the older you get, especially in your later teenage years, you will think sometimes your parents are not as smart as you, not as in touch with reality as you. In fact, they get stupider the older you get. They don't know as much as you. Heck, you might even think that you're closer to perfection than they are. Well, congratulations. You think you're a lot like Jesus then. Only he actually was perfect and did know everything and unlike you, and he still obeyed his parents. Right? He honored his parents who were not perfect and didn't know everything. We know very little about Jesus' childhood, but one thing we do know is that when he was 12, he submitted himself to his parents who were, and he was obedient to them. Jesus, God himself, honored his human parents who were not perfect. So what I'm saying here is the murky water doesn't apply to you. No one better walk out of here and say, hey, Pastor Scott said I get to choose whether or not I honor my parents. No. I get to choose whether I get to honor my parents because I'm just a little unhappy with them. Nope. In fact, I would just say to you, you better suck it up and go listen to your parents. You're not in the murky water. Church, none of us have a choice whether to honor our parents or not. And based on our own thinking especially, we must be directed by the word of God. My point here is the, in the murky water is that when parents are clearly not doing what scripture calls them to do, honor doesn't go away, it just looks different. Honor has to do with the attitude of your heart. So the bottom line is, we are to honor our father and mother. Yes, that's a clear command in scripture. And it's reiterated in the New Testament. And when the family is operating under the authority of Christ... With a loving family that are under biblical values, then honoring our parents means to respect, obey, give them gratitude, among many other things, and it works beautifully. Certainly when children move out and get married and they start their own family, honoring their parents does not end, but it can look different in that season. You still respect them by hearing them out and giving thought to their advice, and even obeying when you can. That's all appropriate. 
But to those of you who don't have the biblical family model, who have parents that are anything but what Scripture commands them to be, then again, honoring them means not bringing them further dishonor. Honoring means you bring grace where you can and never stop praying for them. Because God can do amazing work in people's lives. I've referenced the murky water this morning. In reality, this is caused by sin. In many instances, there is much sin that has been committed, and it's sin that destroys everything and messes everything up. Sin always distorts. Sin always destroys. But church, we know the one who's conquered sin and death, and he offers new beginnings. His name is Jesus Christ, and there is nothing too tough for him. There is no sin that is too sinful. There is no relationship that is too broken. When Christ gave himself up on the cross, he said it is finished. And it's because of the finished work of Christ, we can become a new creation. The old can go away. All the sin of the past and everything that's identified us in the past can go away from the power of Christ and what he's done on the cross. And the new can come. There are new relationships. There are new identities that are formed because of all of what Christ has done because he finished the work. And when that happens, transformation takes place. And sometimes it's out of this world, can't believe it, transformation that takes place. Maybe you're here today and you need to put your trust in the Lord Jesus for the first time. Maybe you're here today and need to confess sin. Maybe you're here today needing to confess the sin of not honoring your parents. Maybe you're here today and need to confess sin of not raising your kids with the principles laid out in God's word. Maybe you're here today and you have a blessed, ideal family. Maybe you're here today and you've never known a true relationship with your mom or dad. Regardless, I want to remind you that God is the true, perfect Father. Do not confuse Him with your human father, whether good or bad, because God is perfect, who loves you with a perfect love and deeply desires that relationship with you. So much so, He gave up His own Son to die in your place. Let's pray. God, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You that it is clear. And Lord, even in the times when sin messes everything up, as it does so often, I pray, Lord, that uh, <laughs> that only as you can, by your power, that you can work in each individual life in here to work out the, the murkiness, because you have the ability to change our hearts. You are the only one who can. And so, Lord, I pray if they're here to, there's some here today that don't know you, that haven't had that heart change that only Jesus can bring, I pray that that happens. And for those of us that do know you, Lord, I pray that you'd bring further further uh, convicting, teaching, encouragement to us as we think about our lives in this respect as far as the commandments, specifically the fifth one, and how our families and how we honor and how we teach and all of that goes into play in our own home. So Lord, be, be, be our guide, be our teacher, be the one we look to and submit to. In Jesus' name. <laughs>